Yes, what were you saying? When you, you were saying how when Moshe came to be the Redeemer, it, yeah. wasn't, it wasn't like a, a hard transition. Like you were trying to correlate it to Trump winning the next election. Could you, could you go into that more so I could understand the correlation you were trying to make? Um, can you repeat that? Okay. You were saying how Trump, um, you think that Trump would win the next election because... Yeah. When Moshe came to redeem Bnei Israel, it wasn't uh, 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 it wasn't that the uh, Bnei Israel were kicked out. It was more of a like a smoother transition, which is why it points to Trump getting reelected. Yeah. So, so, what do you mean by that? Could you just go into that a little more? Like what happened? You, yeah. Elaborate. You on, like, what happened in Mitzrayim that you think that? You want me to elaborate? <clears throat> well, we, we noticed that exile, which I went into pretty extensive, what is Golis? You know, um, the, the concept of Golis and so on, and who are the ones that we go into Golis about. I went to a very brief uh, summary, you know, of these ideas and so on. But, but in the end, the Jews go from one Golis to the next. And there are reasons for that, you know. Because one nation offers the Jews a certain path to bring the tikkun. But when that path is closed or gone or accomplished, then God sends them to another nation, you see, so that they can bring the tikkun in that nation. Because each nation has their own way, which I'm going to talk about because I'm in the middle of a shir about Svadim and Ashkenazim, if you recall from last week. Right? Right? But anyway, uh, so normally the way it happens is that something bad happens and the Jews get chased from one gullus to the next. That's usually the way it happens and so on, you know. Uh, and that's always, almost always been the way it does, you know. You talk about the Spanish uh, expulsion of the Jews from Spain in 1492. You're talking about... Uh, in the 1000s, you're talking about from England, the Jews have been kicked out of every single nation in Europe. Everyone. What's interesting is that the Jews have never been kicked out of America. Because like I say, America is the most gentle form of the Gullahs. In fact, it is so gentle that uh, Jews easily uh, assimilate. This is one of the very bad things about America. It's so easy to assimilate because, uh, you know, it's, uh, America is such an accepting country. I mean, that's one of the good things about America. But for the Jews, it means that the Jews constantly assimilate. They intermarry, they assimilate, uh, and so on, which in many ways is really terrible, you see. Uh, however, the real question which I try to deal with uh, is we know America also has to end, because America is also a galut. We know that. And like I pointed out, Rabchaim Volozhin says, America is the last galut. Uh, which means that America also has to end. Pe- most people don't realize that. See? You know, they think, well, America is a great country. You know, you really can make a great living, enjoy life, as they say. And uh, no, the galut will never end here. This is the promised land. But the, the problem is that the galut must end no matter where. So if Rabbi Chaim Velozhin says that this is the last one, then the, obviously the concept is that it must end here also. 
I, it's very hard for people to, to you know, to come in, to come uh, to terms with that, because it is very comfortable here. So that is the question that I try to deal with. You know, how will it end? So the model for all of this, when you think about it, is Mitzrayim, is Egypt, because it says Hine in Kedusha. Hine go alti eschem etchem achrit kereshit. Behold, I will redeem you. The second redemption will be like the first. That means that the same Gula that took place in Egypt will repeat itself in, uh, in, in uh, the last Golas, which is the, uh, the uh, redemption itself. Uh, so Moshe Rabbeinu, when he came to Egypt, you know, it's not that the, the power threw out the Jews, not at all. He wouldn't let him go. So what Moshe Rabbeinu basically did is he had to pull the Jews out of the Memtet Sha'arei Tumah. Because that was the, 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 the big Ikuv. Ikuv means uh, obstacle, you see. So Moshe Rabbeinu, how did he do it? Well, what he did is he raised the consciousness of the Jewish people. And of course the way he did it was through the, uh, the, uh, the Esamakas, Makot. Uh, through the ten, uh, you know, plagues, or whatever, you see. And that's where he raised their consciousness. See, most people don't realize that it's not just that the ten plagues, you know, struck the Egyptians terrible, which obviously it did. But you should know one thing. With each Makkah was a tremendous gilui, revelation. Because like I said, each Makkah really was a, a svirah, ten, ten makot, ten svirot. Each Makkah was a physical expression of a svirah. So what the Makkah did is not only it happened physically, you see, but what it also did is it revealed some aspect of the svirot, which is some aspect of the giloi, of a revelation of some aspect of God, His power, you see, his attributes or his characteristics and so on. So essentially, even though what Moshe did was the Esra Makot, uh, which is basically to punish the Egyptians, which obviously happened, <clears throat> the real concept is that he raised the consciousness of Jews in terms of each Makkah, which was really each Sfira. That's what he did. So therefore, what do we see? that the, the Galut in Egypt ended through what's called in Kabbalah, Mochen. Have you ever heard that term? Mochen is a rise in awareness or consciousness. And that really has to be, you see. So what happened is the Jews achieved a tremendous understanding, awareness. In Kabbalah it's called Mochen, which means brains, right? But what that really means is consciousness that they never had before, you see. In fact, the remez for that, where's the remez for this, the allusion to this? Because it says by Choshech, it says, Ulechol b'nei Yisrael, and to the entire children of Israel, or sam, there was light in their dwelling. Now that light means that there was not just light, because they had darkness, we had light. But light means that there was tremendous amount of understanding, what's called enlightenment, you see. And that happened with every Makkah. So what do we see? 
that the geula, or rather the, the geula, the redemption, which means the last galut. And by the way, Egypt was supposed to be the last galut. If you remember what I said, on the Shia and Shavuot, is that Egypt was really the last galut. Because Moshe Rabbeinu was almost the Mashiach ben Yosef. And had they not sinned the golden calf, he would have been Mashiach ben Yosef. And the Luchot Rishonot, the first tablets, would have been the All Rishon, or the All Mashiach, the Messianic light. So we see, therefore, that Egypt was supposed to be the last Galut. It's only when Egypt failed that God had to say, well, you failed, so you have to go back in Galut, at least the Galut of that time. But that Galut would be four types. Uh, you see... Uh, because there are four worlds of Tum'ah. And each Kalut, Bovel, Babylon, uh, Greece, uh, I should say Persia, Greece, and Rome, each one is a specific Giloi revelation of God. As I pointed out in the, in the Shir, the different environments that a Jew can find himself and the, therefore the uh, different mistakes or errors that he can make. Um, but essentially, Egypt was supposed to be the last Galut. And Moshe Rabbeinu would have been Mashiach ben Yosef, you see. And of course that was uh, obstructed because of the chet, the, the sin of the, go, of the golden calf. However, before that, what do we find? That power didn't ch- chase the Jews out, which is normally what happened after each one, you see. Uh, what, what the Mashiach did is he came and changed the entire consciousness of the Jewish people. Well, same thing now, you know, in every Galut, when Jews go from one Galut to the next, so the way it's going to happen is that the Jews get chased out because of a tremendous rise in anti-Semitism, you see. And therefore, they're going to go from one Galut and they won't be able to stop it. And they'll have to flee in every one. The Jews fled. The Jews were expelled from every single country in Europe, which was astounding, you see. If you look at medieval Jewish history, you know, for all the way from the time of the Crusades, which goes back all the way back, all the way back to 10, uh, 1066, I think, in every nation they were kicked out, you see. Uh, and that's the way God got rid of the Jews in any given country, in order to bring them to another country, and therefore they would have to remain righteous, and hopefully that would bring a tikkun for whatever that country represented, which I will talk about. However, the gula, however, is different. Because the concept of the gula is not to throw the Jews out and to go into another galut. What it is, is to go from galut, is to go from galut into what? Into freedom. And that's the concept of mulchen, consciousness. Tremendous awareness of God, you see. And that's the concept. So if that's the case, it doesn't require uh, one nation to throw them out, you see. Because what have they learned? Nothing. There's There's no rise in consciousness when the Jews are thrown out of one country. Then they go to another country and they struggle for years. You know, when the Jews got thrown out of Spain, the Svaldom, that's where they all come from, you know, Svaldim and so on. Originally, the Svaldim, basically, actually, all the Jews came from uh, Babylon. 
you see. And then they crossed over into, into Africa. They were chased from Africa, North Africa especially, over into Spain. And then from Spain they got chased out. And then they crossed Europe. They went east. And that's the origin of Ashkenazi Jews, you see. So many Jews, the Jews who settled in Turkey, right, Turkey and Italy and so on, they were Svardim. But the Jews that went north to, uh, to Germany, you see, or France, uh, or the northern countries, they became Ashkenazim. You see, that's when you really begin to see the difference. Therefore, what's the point of throwing the Jews out? You see, there's no rise in consciousness. But if the point or the purpose of Mashiach is to do what? It's not to get the Jews thrown out, you see. But the purpose is that Jews should begin to understand, you know, the messianic light, which is the beginning of a rise in understanding and consciousness. Like it says, Kimol or that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of God. Uh, then, then it can't be that way, basically can't be that the Jews are thrown out of one country into another. There has to be some type of rise of consciousness, what's called Giloi, Yehudoi, the revelation of the oneness of God or the absolute control of God. That can only be if the one who takes them out of the Galut is Mashiach, especially Mashiach ben Yosef. So, with that reasoning, comes out like this. If America is the last Galut, which is what Chaim Volozhin, who's the greatest student of the Vilna Gaon, and believe me, he knew what he was talking about. If that is the last Galut, then obviously it has to end. But if it's the last Galut, it has to end not with being expelled from the country, because what's the whole point? There has to end in terms of some type of a messianic figure that is going to come and somehow begin to change the concept of Mashiach, of the awe of the Mashiach, you see. <clears throat> and actually you see that, because the, the Pasuk says, you know, it says in the beginning of the Torah, in the second Pasuk of Breshit, and the Spirit of God, hovers on the face of the deep. So the Balaturim says, that the gematria, the numerical value, right, of Ruach Lekim and the Spirit of God hovers. Well, what is the Spirit of God that hovers? And the answer is, he answers, that the gematria of Ruach Lekim and that the Spirit of God hovers, refers to the Mashiach. And he says that the gematria of Ruach Lekim and is the same gematria of Zuhi. Ruchai Shomelech HaMoshiach. This Ruach is what? <coughs> is the spirit or the Nishama of the Melech HaMoshiach. It's the Mashiach himself. You see? And we know also, which is fascinating, that it says in the Pasuk, right, that the Eshpoich Ruchi Akoboso. You see, God says, famous, and I will pour my spirit on the nations of the Ruch HaKobos, on all mankind. Who's that spirit? You see? So, what God is going to do is pour His spirit. Who is that spirit? Who is the Ruach? Eshpoich Ruchi. And I will pour my spirit, right, on all the nations. What spirit? 
That's the Mashiach. The same Ruach Elokim Rachefet Apnei Amoyim. The same Ruach that God said that hovers over the face of the deep. That Ruach is where God says, I will pour my Ruach, my spirit, over the entire land. That is the Mashiach. <clears throat> now, if you think about it, what does that mean? What does it mean that he was going to pour his spirit, that he's going to bring the Mashiach? Why? And the answer is, because the entire concept of the Mashiach is to do what? Is to raise the consciousness of the Jewish people. And Agav, incidentally, the entire world. So what does it mean that the Jews will be chased out of the land? What does that mean even? If this is the last Galut. So it has to be basically that the way the Jews will land, will exit, it is not through suffering or, you know, into another exile, so to speak. Uh, they have to be redeemed, not thrown out. See? Because, like I say, the essential idea of the Mashiach is what? Is to raise the consciousness, to enlighten the Jewish people about God. Not to get them thrown out. That was. But that's not necessary anymore, you see. Therefore, if you think about it, America, if this is what's going to happen, then it has to happen in a way where God will pour His Spirit out through the Mashiach, you see. And as a result of that, then the Jews will become aware. In fact, there is no other way. <clears throat> there are two things that have to happen, which I had mentioned many times in the previous Shurim on current events. The Jews must be rehabilitated. It's not enough where a Mashiach ben Yosef will come to the Jewish people and look at them and watch them in such an incredibly low state of Tum'ah. Think about that. 11 million Jews are gone. It's unbelievable. Out of the 14 million Jews that live today, 11 are gone. Think about it. The Jews all over America, millions of Jews are gone. Canada, Mexico, South America, Europe. There are so many that are gone, you see. So there's only 3 million Jews left. And of those 3 million, how many really know the Torah or are really God-fearing and so on? Not many. So the Mashiach, is he going to come to a Jewish people that is so bankrupt in Judaism? No. So what happens is, is there has to be what's called an enlightenment. There has to be a change in the Jewish people, you see. And where is it going to start? So that's the famous posik in the Tzavim, you see, where it says that even if the, your outcasts, even if your outcasts are at the ends of heaven, it says, in Parashat Nitzavim, that even if your Jews, your outcasts, which is the Galut, are at the ends of heaven, and that's pretty far out, right? Misham, from there, not from Eretz Israel, from there means in the Galut, Ikabetzcho, I will gather you. You see? And when God says, I will gather you, right? How? And then it says, Umishom, and from there, not from Eretz Yisrael, but from the ends of heaven, 
God says, Yikochecho, I will take you. What do you see? Is that the awakening, is the enlightenment, the beginning of the rehabilitation of the Jewish people, does not begin in Eretz Israel. It will begin in the Galut itself, you see. And there's ideas for that. Because God wants to demonstrate His power that to Him it doesn't make a difference if you are, you see, in the darkest kippah, in the darkest dungeon. It doesn't make a difference to God. He can come down in the dungeon itself and take you out. He can go down into the utter darkness, the pits, and rescue you. That's God, you see. And one of the greatest of all the miracles, which when it begins to happen, will stun all the Jewish people, is somehow there's going to be an awakening toward God. There's going to be a thirst to know God, somehow to do tshuva. Now, the one who will do that, in some ways, Mashiach bin Yosef. And that's what it means, and I will pour my spirit. And that's the Mashiach, you see. So the Mashiach combined with the Ruach, with, with the Spirit of God, which basically he is the Shliach, in some way will change the mindset of the Jews, which to us will be an absolute miracle. And to show his incredible strength and might, he will do that when the Jews are in Galut, not when they're in Eretz Israel, just like he did Egypt, Right? Where did God do it from? You know, he didn't wait. Uh, you know, he could, what he could have done is done what? I mean, it's not a problem for God to take the Jews out of Egypt. You think the only way he could have done it is with the plagues? Of course not. God could, could have brought Corona, right? He could have brought COVID-19 on the Egyptians, right? And all of a sudden, all the Egyptians would have dropped dead, or a lot of them. And guess what? They wouldn't have had the power to keep the Jews. Because so, much, so many of them would have been decimated. You see? And then, when the Jews would rebel and leave, right? So then you could say, well, then God would appear to them and raise them in spirituality. No, that's not what he did. He went into the, into the Tum'ah of Egypt. And he pulled them out. You see? I mean, people don't realize... What God did, it's not that he did ten plagues. That's nothing to God. You know, he could have wiped them out with a plague. We know that. You know, when the Black Plague hit Europe in 1348, do you know how many Europeans died? Over 100 million Europeans. They say it killed one half of Europe. So God is not a big deal. It's very simple to do. So, he, like I say, he could, have decimated, he could have decimated Egypt by killing out half the population, which he's done. You know, there's always plagues. And then the Jews would have just picked themselves up and left because there's nobody to stop them. And then God could have appeared to them in the desert. He didn't do that, which is interesting. God went into Egypt and he destroyed Egypt in the Tum'ah. That shows you the power of God. You see, that's a very important idea. You know, God doesn't need purity to save you. You see, in fact, there's a very interesting pasuk. 
It's a very big secret, this Pasuk. It's an Eoiv. And it's the secret of the Poraduma, the red heifer. It says there, Who's the one that can create Tahara, purity, mitome from Tuma? Right? How can you create purity from Tuma? It's impossible. But the secret is that God can make somebody Tome, Tohor. He could do that. So he doesn't have to come in and rescue you from Tahara. He can come in and destroy the Tum'ah in the Tum'ah itself. Because Enel Muvadoi. Because besides God, there is nothing else. Tum'ah is not an impediment to God. You see? And the same thing with the Galut in Egypt. So that's an important idea. Just like God came to Egypt in the middle of the Tum'ah, because Chazal tell us that the Tum'ah of Egypt was the greatest of all in terms of the Tum'ah. In fact, that's why the Jews were in the Memteshai Tum'ah. Where did they get that from? Well, they got that from Egypt. See, because Egypt was the Memteshai Tum'ah, the 49 gates of Tum'ah, right? So what does that mean? That means God went into an environment of the 49th level of Tum'ah. He went in, he yanked the Jews out. That's astounding. You see, why? Because he wasn't interested in getting the Egyptians to chase them out or where he would kill the Egyptians and they just walk out. Right? No. God doesn't need to do that. God is such an ultimate power that he could go into the Tum'ah itself and pull them out, which is exactly what he did. And the reason why he did that is because the Jews needed to have enlightenment. That's what it's all about. The Gula is all about Moichen. Moichen means a brain's Kabbalah or the concept of awareness, enlightenment, consciousness, you see. So what we begin to understand is something very important. That if this is the beginning of the end of the Galut of America, right? God does not have to chase him to Israel. They don't have to do that at all. You know, he's going to come into America, right, and enlighten America, the Jews in America. Because that's the job of Mashiach ben Yosef. There will be an enlightenment in America itself, you see. And that's the Pasuk. That God says, I will gather you from there, not from Israel, but from there I will gather you. Which means that, obviously, Kitzei means the end of the earth, or the end of the heaven, I should say. But that's Tum'ah. You know, if the Jews are at the end of heaven, could you imagine what Tum'ah? That's Rihuk. That's the furthest they can ever get from God. Why are they so far away? Because they are in the land or the essential idea of Tum'ah. And America is essentially Tum'ah. It is steeped in Ashkata, corruption, you know, uh, same-sex marriages, you name it, pleasure, you know, uh, or materialism, that's all they know. How much spirituality is in this, really, is there in this country and so on, you know? So that's why, so God says, I will redeem you from there, just like Egypt. I will come in and take you out from the 49th level of evil, which is basically where America is now even though we don't realize that, you see. Uh, 
and I, I will take you out, and that's Meichem. That is why we begin to understand uh, that the Gula can happen in America, that the exile can end in America, not through, you know, terrible suffering or fear, frightened, where everybody's going to run away, you see. He could do it in America, no problem. But just like he did it in Egypt, he, he awakened them, the, the whole Kirch of Kedushah and Murchen in Egypt, through the Mashiach ben Yosef, who is Moshe Rabbeinu, he, can do it, he will do it also in America. That's why when you think about that, what's more likely is if this is the end of the exile, you know, then God will do it in America. And I once mentioned to you a Midrash where it says at the end of time, it says Yishmoel will seek and they will conduct three wars of terror. One, the last one will be against the great city of Rome. I mentioned that. And what is the great city of Rome? Rome, of course, we know. The great Rome is now America. That's basically who a president is. He's an emperor. He's the equivalent of a Roman emperor, uh, America. You see, and then it says is that he's going to watch as Yishmol and America, Edoim, Esav, fight one another, which is exactly what's happening, you see. And then what he will do is that he will watch and that's the Mashiach. It says, Semach Dovid. It doesn't say Dovid. It says, Semach Dovid. The, the outgrowth of Dovid. Who is the outgrowth of Dovid? So basically, the Akonte de Ari, that's the Mashiach ben Yosef. In fact, we pray about the Mashiach ben Yosef in the Tefillah. It's Semach David in Shmon Esrei. So the Ari says, who is Semach Dovid? It should just say, it's David. Who's the Tzemach David? That is Mashiach ben Yosef. You see. So the Medrash says, Tzemach David, which is the Mashiach ben Yosef. So he's going to watch this war between Edom, Esau, and Yishmael, the Bnei Yishmael, which is exactly what's happening. That God is warring, that America is warring with Yishmael. I mean, this is what's going to happen with Iran that there will be a war, and so on, you know. And then it says, Umishom, he's going to watch it. Umishom, and from there, Yovei Le'eretz Yisrael. He will go to Eretz Yisrael. What does that tell us? It's that he's not in Eretz Yisrael. He's in exactly, right, where the Klippa is, where the Tum'ah is, you see. Because that is where God is going to come. God is going to come to America, to take the Jews out. You see. To take the Jews out of Israel. You see. Um, that is where... Uh, just one second, please. Yeah, hello, everybody there? Yeah. Good. Uh, so that's what's really happening. You see, what's happening is that God does not have to meet the Jews in Israel. Just like in Egypt, and that's the model. Just like he went into the Tum'ah, Memteshai Tum'ah. 
and he had Moshe Rabbeinu, who basically was the Mashiach, take them out, because that was the last Kalut. It was supposed to be the last Kalut. He's going to do the same thing in America. He's going to take them out of America, you see. And he's going to, because uh, the, uh, the Galut of America is terrible. Most Jews in America are gone, you see. So, therefore, it is very likely, and I believe this will be so, is that Biden will not win. It'll be Trump. And I believe that the, the Democrats will be decimated, you see. Because Trump still has to do things for Israel. Because remember, Trump was a Gilgul of Marcus Aurelius Antoninus, which you know I spoke about, right, in the last year. I spoke uh, pretty much about him, Marcus Aurelius Antoninus, and so on, you know. Uh, Trump has much more to do for Israel, because the foundational idea of, of Trump, or rather Marcus Aurelius, and, or Esav, is Esav said, let that which is yours be yours, which means that not only are the brachot yours, Yaakov Avinu, but Eretz Israel is yours, because that's what God promised to Avram Yitzchak. So when Esau said to Yaakov, you know, that let that which is yours be yours, he's not just talking about the brachot, which is the whole job of tikkun. He's talking to Yaakov about Eretz Yisrael, that this is the inheritance of the Jewish people, you see. Uh, so I believe Trump has yet to finish the job. So therefore he will win. But besides winning, my feeling also is that it will decimate the Democratic Party. Because the Democratic Party is a terrible party of evil. We don't even know how evil these people are. We're now just beginning to see that they're insane. The liberal Democrats just sit back and do nothing while people rampage in the streets, murder, loot, burn, you know, and, and, and kill. It's unbelievable what these guys do. And everybody's cowering. Why? Because everybody's afraid to be called a racist. You see. And the reason why everybody is afraid to be called a racist is because of the media. The media is completely behind the liberal Democrats. So America has been taken hostage. It's incredible. It's a tremendously evil party. And they're the ones who are responsible for the unbelievable sexual perversion of America, and, and so on. So, I believe in the end of time, God will decimate them because of their evil. So therefore, what we need to look forward to, you see, is not a, 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 a panic to get out of America. What we need to look forward to, which will be miraculous, just like Moshe Rabbeinu, what he did was miraculous. It is some type of rehabilitation, some type of tremendous mirchen, awareness of spirituality. Now, we don't know how that's going to happen. Because unfortunately, the Jews are so far behind. They are so far gone. How many Jews don't even know they're Jewish? How many Jews are married to Goyim? They have kids that are Goyim, and so on. I mean, it's unbelievable, the assimilation and the intermarriage and so on. So, somehow that has to change. And that will. Just like Moshe Rabbeinu changed Egypt. How? 
because he introduced the Makkas. But remember, the essential idea of the Makkas was the Gilu, it was the revelation of God. It wasn't just to punish the Egyptians, you see. And Moshe Rabbeinu changed the consciousness of the Jewish people, you see. So when the Jews left Egypt, they were, they, 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 they were about to leave the Memteshari Tumah, the 49 uh, levels of Tumah, they had done tshuva, you see, and therefore they were worthy. So, just like Moshe Rabbeinu changed the whole uh, uh, consciousness, awareness of Jews, through a miracle called the Ten Plagues, which is the Giloi of the Ten Sfirot, right? He's gonna, it's going to happen also in America, I believe. The same idea that something will happen where you're going to have the Giloi of these Ten Sfirot again. And that's really what's going to happen that the awe of the Svirot have to be revealed because the Jews, that's the whole concept of a Tikkun process, you see, that the Jews have restored all the light, the energy, the Kiddushah, back into the Svirot. And therefore they will be energized and they will begin to shine, illuminate, you see. <clears throat> so that is what's going to happen to America. You see, and again, like I say, you know, the model of all of this is Egypt. I see. So therefore, in a, in a summary, the Gula is the end of the Galut, of the end. It is not fear, you know. It is redemption, which is Ha'ora. And Ha'ora means enlightenment. Because that's the whole point of the Mashiach. It's not where the Jews are frightened and they're biting their nails because they're so panicked. It is to begin what's called re-education. The Jews have to be re-educated in terms of who they are, the greatness of who the Jews are. And therefore, once that happens, then you can see the entire world is changing. You see, something will happen to Israel. Well, anyway, Netanyahu seems to have one foot out the door because he's the heir of Rav, you see, and forget about Gantz, he's just absolutely terrible, and he's already falling in the polls, Gantz, down to 10 seats, uh, but in any case, something will happen, just like it happened, three elections, they couldn't have a government, that is the beginning of the end, so you could say that they're holding on by their fingernails, that's what they're really doing, and they, they already got one foot out the door, and God will bring an event, that will throw them out, you see, and bring in somebody else who will be the intermediary, you see, between the Erev which is the last Kalut of the Jews, the intermediary between that and Mashiach Ben Yosef, you see, <clears throat> which is really absolutely fascinating. So it's interesting to watch how both of these things are simultaneously happening. You see, that we are facing an election in America, which is a crossroads for America. And the second thing happened is the whole government in Israel is in disarray. They don't know what they're doing. You see, they, 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 they're like all panicked because of COVID. And they're also losing their popularity. You see, uh, so it's, it's, it's almost like things, certain things have to happen, which I once mentioned. The Golas 
has to end by an intensification. Just like Egypt. When Moshe Rabbeinu came, the Galut got worse. You see, because now the Jews had to gather straw at night, which was crazy. So the Jews looked at it as terrible. It's even worse for us. You know, so not only is the Galut not ending, it's getting worse. And even Moshe Rabbeinu didn't understand what was going on. So we know at the end of Shemot, he ran back to the Rabbanishlam and said, what's going on? Why are you sending me if it gets worse? So God says, don't worry, now you will see what I will do. And the reason why God did that, because he had to remove the last Kitrugim. He had to correct justice, because that has to be satisfied. And he did it with an enormous intensification of the end. We are looking at an incredible intensification of the Jewish people. Look how many Jewish people died. Gedolim, you know, Manhigam, leaders. There's so many tzaddikim. There's so many Jews who are so righteous. Look how many Jews died. And this is a major kapara for the Jewish people, tragically, you see. We are looking at an incredible accelerated process of what is happening, you see. And this has to happen before the, the Geula. But just like it happened then, that it got worse, and all of a sudden there appeared a Mashiach ben Yosef, who raised the consciousness of the Jewish people, and that was the end of the last Kalut. Same thing here. There will be an individual who will rise, that will raise the consciousness of the Jewish people, and that will end the Kalut, because it's the last one. Now, we don't know how, who it is, how it will happen. But one thing you can be sure, it's going to be something that in your wildest dreams you could not have imagined. That I can tell you now. Okay? Wow. That was a whole sheer. Yeah. Okay. I hope it answers the question. What is it going to be? Can you speak louder? It is going to be? Do I have an idea of what? Of what could happen. What is this thing that we, that we can't imagine? Our wildest dreams. You have any? Your wildest dreams, huh? Well, well. <clears throat> Look, a lot of it will be where all of a sudden you wake up someday and you have a feeling of some sort <laughs> that you want to get closer to God, you see. That, that, that you want to hear the word of God. You see, and then people will seek out, the Jews will seek out people who seem to know the word of God. You know, which is interesting, because there are some people who have a tremendous insight into, you know, what does God want? So I believe that something will awaken them. You see, it could be a, an unbelievable event, miraculous, you know, and people are going to wake up and say, wow. There's something going on. People recognize that it's messianic. That there is no other explanation. And then they're going to go and seek God. You see. That's why we and they're going to seek, seek individuals. What was that? So that's why we seek you. Well, you know, it's interesting that I, I seem to be one of the few people that seem Where to have a, a grasp. What was that? We wanted to be enlightened. We have this urge to keep growing and learning, and we're taking classes every single day. 
And that's why we've got you, because I think we already have this thing of this uh, thirst for the Torah more than ever before. It's yeah. every single day. It's every single day we're studying. Yeah. Maybe that's part of it. Because sure pe- people have to have an awakening. There has to be some type of a thirst. Yeah. I have it every single day. Yeah, what was that? I, we have yeah, it. Yeah, we all have it. We have that thirst. Yeah. It's so imagine a... What was that? Not everybody has it. That's the problem. It, well, yeah. Well, that you know, God will determine that. Remember what it says in the Navi, that in the end of time, there will be a thirst and a hunger, not for bread and not for water, but to know the will of God. You know, there's a pasuk like that, right? That at the end of time, right, there will be a great hunger in the land, not for bread and not for water, but to know the, the will of God. What does that sound like to you? Yeah. That, well, that's, what that is, is that something will happen that will awaken the nishamot of the Jewish people. And all of a sudden, they're going to say, you know, maybe I should find out more about Judaism. You see? And then you never know. Maybe all of a sudden, people who have some idea, you know, they're all of a sudden going to be in demand. Now, that would be interesting. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. one never knows, you know. There are times, even in American history, for instance, after the 67 war, if you remember, people recognize this is miraculous because they realize this is a biblical prophecy that the Jews actually got their land back and they got Jerusalem back. It, it, there was like a tremendous understanding that this is normal that a biblical prophecy was fulfilled. So there was a tremendous awakening at that point in 1967. The problem was, of course, is that, you know, it wasn't enough. But in the end of time, it will be enough. You see. And there will be a thirst, and that thirst will spread. Because it will be the engine running the thirst will be ruchi will be, the, the, in some way, the Spirit of God awakening everybody, you see. <clears throat> and that will be Shalekaderech HaTeva, you see. And uh, as a result of that, people are going to begin coming back, and that will spill over to other Jews, which will then spill over to other Jews, you see. It won't stop, you see. Why? Because what will motivate them is some internal drive, the Nishamot of Klai Yisrael will have been motivated, will be turned on, as they say. And people are going to begin seeking. And that's what the, the Navi says, that in that time there will be tremendous thirst and hunger. But like I say, not for bread or water, but to know the Word of God. Well, what's he talking about? You know? How's that going to happen when America is completely directed towards physical, materialism, and pleasure? And the answer is that something will happen, which is messianic, you see? And that together will come together with the release of the Mashiach ben Yosef. In other words, Kabbalistically, that will be when Yesod, which is the ninth Sfirah, combines with Malchut, and that will be the release 
of the Mashiach ben Yosef from, from his prison. You see? Rabbi, I have a question. Yes. So I learned that um, the three weeks, these three weeks, um, they say that each week is connected the the three sefirot, the three top sefirot. Is that correct? Well, you have what's called the Shiva Dinechamto, the seven weeks of consolation, right? Right. That's after Tisha B'Av, right? That's what they're called. Yeah. So you could look at it as a three weeks, right? And then you could look at it as seven weeks of Nechoma, right? So altogether, they're ten. So then you have the full ten Sefirah until Rosh Hashanah. Yeah. That's right. But these are all uh, Kabbalistic concepts, you see. What was that? We like Kabbalistic concepts. Okay. I try to supply you with that information. <laughs> okay. So I have I have um have two questions. Yes. One when Mashiach does come, what is Moshe's role in it? Because now you said there's gonna be Mashiach and Yosef. Mashiach what 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 is whose role? Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu. <clears throat> well, you have to remember one thing, that Moshe Rabbeinu, the Torah comes from, through him, because he's the giver of the Torah. Right. So, in a certain sense, he's the Shurish of Mashiach ben Yosef and Mashiach ben David. You see? Now, what his exact role will be, right, will probably be, it's like the grandfather you know, maybe he'll be a consultant, however that works, you know, of Mashiach ben Yosef and Mashiach ben David, you see. It's not clear uh, what his role will be, but he will be clearly part of that triad, you see, part of that mission to bring the Jews back, you see. But it's not clear what his role is. Yeah, come in with this? Well, Eliyahu Navi comes in after Mashiach ben Yosef. He is the one who will usher in Mashiach ben David. That's his job. Yeah. And, um, like I say, you know, he will announce that. We don't know how, but he will announce the coming of ben David. You see, because I told you, Mashiach ben Yosef, his job is very difficult. His job is, is like, a, a, it's like a woman in childbirth. You know, the one who is the obstetrician is Mashiach ben Yosef. Right? The one who is the pediatrician is ben David. So, Mashiach ben Yosef is the one who's got to change everything. So, he's got to go from Tum'ah, the world from Tum'ah, he's got to bring it to Tahara. You see? And once it's Tahara, then the whole concept of the Tahara, of the Bria, and therefore the messianic light really comes down where everybody will be in the Vim and so on. You know, uh, that's Mashiach ben David. You see? So those are the basic two ro- roles of these two individuals. I have another question. Uh, yes. The war of Bogumagog, the quick war, what is that, this quick war? Well, 
Say that again. What? Could be an atomic bomb? No. No, I do not believe it will be an atomic bomb. But what would what would be the point? No. But no, there will be a conflict. Before, I thought he's all going to die when he comes. What was that? Isn't the war of Gog and Magog and he's, uh, the descendants of Biafet, there's going to be so many dead people, it's going to take seven years to bury them? Yeah, but I, as I once mentioned, I think uh-huh. I mentioned it, is that World War II, the Holocaust, absorbed or satisfied that prophecy. Okay, if you think so about it war that we have to have again well essentially what is Goig Mogoig from the land of Mogoig what is that and the answer is that that is the last chance that the Klippa has to overturn the Kiddusha that's the end so in the end there's a second uprising just like in Egypt Goig Mogoig the equivalent of that in Egypt was Kriyas Yamsuf. That's really what it was. When Paroi tried to reassert himself and again take the Jews back to Egypt. And that was the last chance of Tum'ah to, re, to, uh, to resurge. That's Goig. Same idea. In the end, the Klippa realizes that it's dying and they try to take over. So what that means is that in some way, somebody is going to realize that their way of life is ending, especially the Satan, you see. So he's going to create a war against Mashiach ben Yosef. Now, it doesn't mean a military war, but no question there will be a tremendous conflict. Now, that can manifest in many ways. It can manifest in terms of the UN, uh, which I think is the way it will go. Well, all of a sudden, the nations of the UN because they hate the Jewish people. They hate Israel. Us, and, and, you know, in, in some way, he's going to try to pass laws or really try to hamper the Jewish people, you see. And Mashiach ben Yosef will go against the United Nations. United Nations is really the entire world combined. It's really what it is. You know, it's where all the nations sit together and they hate the Jewish people. So there will be a conflict, but the conflict is basically Tum'ah, is Klippa, is evil to try to overthrow holiness or good. It's the last chance. That's really what it is. You see? Another of my question. Remember how you said that Evel was Mashiach ben David and Cain was supposed to be Mashiach ben Yosef and uh, Yosef? Yehuda and Yosef were also supposed to be the two Mashiachs. There's one, they're always opposing each other. If Moshe was supposed to be one of the Mashiach, who is the opposing one with him? Where? In Mitzrayim. Because Moshe would have been the Mashiach. Who would have been the other Mashiach? I mean, who would have been the Mashiach ben David? Yes. Is that your yeah, question? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yes. Is that your question? Yes. Well, I'll, I'll tell you something very interesting. Do you remember by the Chet to Egel? Yeah. Who's the only one who died? Do you know? Hor. Who? Hor. Who was Hor? The son of Miriam, the nephew of Moshe. Yes, and who was the father of Hor? Um, what's his name? Alev Ben Yefuna? 
Yeah, and who is he a, de- a descendant of? He's a descendant of... Uh... Wait, don't tell me. Mashiach ben Yosef. Is no, he was a descendant of... No, we're not talking about ben Yosef. We're talking about ben David. Yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's a descendant of Yehuda. He was the tribe. That's of it, right? But isn't oh. Yehuda the Mashiach ben David? Yeah, that's what you said. Yes, yeah. yeah. Exactly. So it probably would have been Chur. Uh, wow. That was. I was the whole week. I was trying to figure out who it was. Yeah, and, and in fact, and since there was a Chetu Ego, there was no more Mashiach ben David. It was gone. In fact, Moshe Rabbeinu was Mashiach ben Yosef, and God told him, Leich Rei, go down. You cannot be Mashiach. You see? So Moshe Rabbeinu was forced to descend, and he was no longer Mashiach ben Yosef. Right? And the one who was supposed to be Mashiach ben David, Chor, who was a descendant of Yehuda, because then there was no David yet. So the Mashiach was supposed to come from Yehuda, we know, because that's where kingdom comes from. He died because there was no necessity for Mashiach ben David. Isn't that interesting? I, I was trying to figure it out. Thank you. Well, you, you got it half right, Chor. The only thing you had to figure out is who Chor was a descendant of. I know, I know that he was from Nachshon, which is the tribe of Yehuda. Exactly. Exactly. That's right. You see? So isn't that amazing? That the only one who died by the Chet Egel was Chor because that was the end of the Messianic opportunity. You see? So there was no need for Mashiach ben David because he couldn't come anyway. Uh, you see? Yeah, exactly. So God allowed it to happen. Why? Because the whole Messianic opportunity failed. They killed him before the Egel was made. No, but it was, in the, it was in the process of being made because he opposed it. Meaning you can't make it and then they killed him. Yeah, he opposed it. That's why they killed him. And they threatened Aaron. And then they threatened Aaron, exactly. They, and Aaron realized they're going to kill him. You see? So he acquiesced. You see, but Chor opposed and they killed him. But the underlying idea is that he probably was going to be Mashiach ben David, right? And it, it, there was no point in that for the obvious reason that that was the end of the whole chance. You see? Isn't it amazing how everything fits? So, Rabbi, what, what, do, you, what do you think about the resurgence of the COVID? Is he, do you still think it's for Pachad Mavit, for us to, you know, for people to still wake up? Yes. Oh, yeah. We're not over with COVID. COVID is making, COVID is doing what it does, panic. Remember I said that the main fear is, is uh, Pachad Mavis, if yes. you remember this year. Yes. You know? Yeah. The whole world is frightened, not only because of the possibility of death, but the real reason why they're frightened is, is the economy is shot. People are worried in terms of what they're going to do. How they can make a living. You know, paying mortgages, paying rents, food. 
I mean, there's so many things that are all put on hold because of this. You see? I mean, there's a tremendous pachad. I mean, in Eretz Yisrael, 800,000 people are out of work. You know what I'm saying? And this is for months. This is from the beginning of March. Imagine a guy has no income for four and a half months. And nobody knows when the end is in sight. You know what I mean? There is no end in sight. And, and this, all of it is pachad mavet, that the, the, the world needs a massive cleanup campaign. But what is interesting, it's not just a cleanup campaign on Jews. Tragically, there are so many Jews who have died. But it's a cleanup campaign on the entire world. Because like I mentioned, a messianic time is a tremendous merit, even for the, even for the goyim, you see. So therefore, there has to be some type of a cleanup, even for the goyim, you see. Amazing so, how all the goyim are not following the Shevet Mitzvot B'nai Noah, and very, very badly. I keep seeing it all over the news, and... I feel that that's why Hashem so upset. I feel like it's really the door has all over again. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We, we, we live in a country that is uh, that based on the Torah is tremendously corrupt, you know, and tremendously deviant morally, you see. <clears throat> Tremendous amount of, uh, you know, uh, the... Um, negation of, of morality. So we, we live in a, in many ways, look, as good as America is, and America's a lot better than everybody else, you know. It's a tremendously corrupt country. They are steeped in Gashmias. That's all that counts. You know, how many people think of God on a daily basis? Ask yourself that. Does anybody think of God at all? No. And they're all into, well, how much money am I going to make today? How's, this, how, how's the market doing? You know, and so on. Who thinks of God anymore, really? It's almost like God, God is gone, in a certain sense, from the consciousness of mankind. You know? Most people are into Ilam Hazir. They don't think of God anymore. You know? Look, even Catholicism. Yeah? Like, okay, so through the learning that we're doing, especially with you, I feel like the Pachan Mavit, I feel, is less for me because I see things more clearer and in a bigger picture and a broader scale. So more of a sort of an excitement to, to just witness things come about. <coughs> I look at life differently. But is that, uh, is, am I not supposed to do that because we should be have the Pachan Mavit? Like, what's the... No, on the contrary, what you're doing is great. You are ahead of the whole pack. Oh yeah, no, on the contrary. You know, you must have a special schut that God has allowed you to have consciousness, moichen, before the other people. Then this is not an accident. You don't have consciousness for, yeah, for a good, not ten, it was a good eight years of working just on our thoughts. And so that's like, great. And, and uh, we're learning about just the power of our thoughts. And then, so when, when COVID came along, 
we were more stronger because also it, it led into Bitachon, it led into Emunah. It, it was like a doorway into all things that we've been working on for years. So once COVID came, we were had more armor than most. But now with all the Torah learning and with you and seeing things and praying for you know clarity and to be the veil being lifted and all these bigger vessels for bigger blessings, like you just see life totally different. Yes, that's right. And all I want to do is share it with everybody, but nobody's ready to hear it. Exactly. That's part of the problem. You know, that's part of the problem. I keep telling them even if they don't want to hear it, Rabbi. <laughs> they keep, you keep what? I keep telling them even if they don't want to listen, I make them hear what I have to say. Well, Rachel, you're always at that way, right? Uh, yes. <laughs> no, but I have to tell you, you know how many people I got to go to classes and... Oh, yeah? Go to shul. You have no idea. We wow, you're a, one, you're a one-woman missionary. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Rabbi, I'm a testament. She, she's, God bless her. Yes, she is. Yeah. She's a one-woman missionary, which is really, which is extraordinary. It's very good, you know? Whose idea was it to get me? Um, Amy. Amy, me. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, that, you're the first one, of course, I spoke with. Yeah. Is that because of the shurim that you heard? Yeah, we were listening to you online. You didn't even know. Yeah. We were listening to you on, you know, you were recording. I've been listening to you for the past, like, couple of years. You were on the Internet, and every time you came out with the YouTube, I would listen to it. Uh Uh-huh. So so does Corona have to finish for Mashiach when Yosef to come? Yes. Or to appear, begin to appear? I, I think so. I think so. Yeah. And how, how does it end? Do you think with a vaccine, or do you think it's just going to disappear? No, it'll end with a vaccine. Oh, really? Yeah. So, Rabbi, I don't want to take a vaccine or give it to my children either. Well, you don't have to, because there's a thing called herd immunity, which means that okay. if 80% of the people get it, or they're vaccinated against it, then nobody gets it, because the virus cannot survive. Anybody who has a vaccine, and most people will take it, then the virus will die. And even from those people who didn't take it, since most of the time the virus dies, there's there's hardly anything to go around. So there's a thing called herd immunity. Vaccine is a bad thing for um, for the body. What? You don't feel feel that the vaccine is a bad thing for the body. Like, let's say they make it mandatory for the children to get it before they go into school. I'm worried about side effects. I know. Look, I, I'm, I, I'm not really uh, knowledgeable enough to be on either camp. Got it. But I do know there's a strong anti-vax, and then there's a strong vax. You know, so, but I'm not knowledgeable enough to make some type of determination. Oh, would you take the vaccine? I think I would, yeah. I mean, I would see what happens, you know, obviously with other people. But if I see that it's okay, basically, and there's no side effects, you know, and also it depends on who is going to develop it. I think if Israel developed it first, I think to, to me that would be more reassuring than maybe if some, some, some Italian company developed it first, you know. Got it. It depends on who, you know, because you have to be able to trust it. Yes. And this is a lot. Of, this is always a problem. Who made the vaccine? And how do they know it works? 
What but tests Rabbi, have they, they given? Say that See? Usually vaccine takes two years to develop, but they want to develop it very quickly. So a lot of people say that these, this vaccine is not so um, healthy and they don't know the side effects. Yeah, but you have to remember also, one of the reasons why it takes so long is because there's only a small amount of money. So everything takes, everything takes uh, very slow. But they're, they're pouring in hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars into many com- companies. You know? So what they are doing is accelerating. You see, they're accelerating a lot of the uh, stages much quicker. So you know, what it would have taken maybe two years to get to go from stage one to stage two, you know, and a lot of it, you should know, is bureaucracy. It's not the vaccine is no good. You know what I'm saying? It's bureaucracy, you see? So therefore, that is being waived. So as a result of that, I think it's going faster. You see what I'm saying? So, you know, so that is not necessarily bad. Because obviously, it's a crisis. You know. Is there is there any pesukim that refer to when Mashiach ben Yosef will will come will emerge? If there's any what pesukim? Yeah, like is there any references that like they say hint when he would come or something like that? Like you know how they say that? Um, well, the uh, the references are not a year. Nobody really knows that. Sure, but like uh, like. They say that David will come and Benisan atidin le'igayel. So we say yeah. That. So in that sense, you know, yeah, but that's not a date. No, but no, it's not a, that's not a year. It's it's a. Uh, you see, what you have to do is it's not it's the date is not the critical thing. What the critical thing is the historical events happen. You see what I'm saying? That's the critical thing. So if you know what has to occur. Uh, just one second. You understand what I'm saying? <clears throat> so if we know what has to what, occur... Yeah, what you have know. to know is not so much because there are things that have to occur before. Like one of the things that have to occur before is that the Jews have to get back Eretz Israel, right? Sheikh is not going to come without Eretz Israel because ultimately all the Jews have to go back. Well, guess what? It happened. You see? <clears throat> the same thing. The exiles have to end. And that's happened. No country can withstand, can hold the Jews back. The Jews can now leave, basically, everywhere they want to go. Even, even in Iran or Syria, all the Jews left. You see? So that's another concept, you see, uh, in terms of that, you know? And then the world has to descend to ter- terrible immorality. You know, those are, those are Gemara and Sota and so on. So you have to look at that. And not only that, the Internet is one of the ideas. Because the Internet allows global connectivity. Because the Mashiach bin Yosef initially will come through Teva, natural means. It's not going to be miraculous at first. That's only later. After YouTube. What? You, well, YouTube, all the ability to give a sheer, and you can have a billion people watching it. Wow. You see? So the Internet is a way that one guy can get on the Internet and give a sheer to hundreds of millions of people in real time, simultaneously. Wow. So that's what you have to look at more, you know. 
than than just uh, in terms of a date. But like I say, yeah. you know, a pandemic like this, you know, is uh, is very. Uh, and besides, one one of the very important ideas is also that most Jews are disappearing. You're watching the disappearance of Judaism. Never happened before. Jews are disappearing in America, South America, and Europe. The assimilation, the intermarriage, on affiliation, they're all disappearing. So the question then is, so who's the Mashiach going to come to? So that's another sign that we're at the end, you see. Uh, so you have to add all these things up, you see. And then you begin to realize that we are very, very close. So how, uh, Rabbi, if you had to guess, what's your time frame? You think like a couple of months, Yosef comes, a couple of, in a year? Like what would you put your money on? Uh, it's hard to say, you know, but uh, I think I, I think we're much closer than we are further, you know, okay, so much closer. Well, who knows? Maybe next year. Remember, okay. the, the critical concept is not when he comes. The critical concept is when he's released. Which is hopefully in two weeks from now. Well, you never know. Maybe. At so. some point in time, he will be released from his klipa. So even though you don't know who it is because he's first released, right? But he's been released. And then he will begin to grow. And that's the critical point. You see? Yes. So it takes time for him to grow, and then eventually that's when he'll... Correct. Yeah. It takes time. Hmm. You think we're anyway, thank you, Rabbi. Ra- thank you, okay. Rabbi. Yes, I who's had this? Two questions. It's Elise. I had two yes. questions. One was um, the you you were gonna discuss in the future classes the difference between the tic, you know the the tikkun for Ashkenazim and Sephardim. I yeah, thought I was gonna do it today, but somebody asked I me the question. So okay, so we're gonna get to that. And then the other question was um, yeah. the the difference between um, we, we, we you were giving the numbers last week and why is it um, well that's part of the year yeah why seventy and forty nine so right yes 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 that's I know. exactly so that, we're gonna, that, it's going to come yeah, we're getting part, to it that, yeah yeah that's part of the year patience okay perfect. Perfect. Thank Listen, you, Rabbi. You can't, I can only give one shear per, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Thank Rabbi, you, Rabbi. Thank hey, you. we loved your shear tonight. It was so uplifting. Thank you. Yeah, listen, it's a real eye-opener, you know. It's look, so look, nice. uh, look, most people don't know this. They don't know this material. No. So you're hearing stuff that's really hardly known. Yeah. You know? True. I hope you recognize We're very that. blessed. We're very blessed. Thank you.